0: Welcome to another edition of the Double A Team, our first edition of 2022. Um, Happy New Year to you all. I know it's kind of late to say Happy New Year, but this is our first show, so we'll say Happy New Year. Stephen Nogishi is my co-host, and Stephen, nice to see you, and Happy New Year to you.
1: Happy New Year, Ken. Hope you had a fantastic uh, holiday season.
0: And you as well. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, it is a, you know, we do. Stephen and I, when we were talking uh, off the air um, in, in preparation for this show, we were talking about how January tenth would be a good day to return after a few weeks off to talk about what would be happening in the NFL. And this has been uh, traditionally known as Black Monday uh, because of the firing of coaches, and this has lived up to its uh, to its billing. Uh, we saw Vic Fangio of Denver getting fired on Sunday. Uh, on Monday, we also had when we woke up, uh, it was Mike Zimmer and uh his uh uh, general manager over at uh, minnesota uh spielman getting fired and then chicago bears fans as you well know were waiting for the the other shoe to drop on matt nagy to fall and it finally did uh he got fired and then of course his uh general manager ryan pace got the boot as well maybe surprisingly to some but matt nagy was not a surprise steven but uh definitely pace got the boot as well
1: right and I didn't understand the, uh, those who wanted to kind of keep him under, uh, you know, like a different title and capacity. I thought it would have created an awkward dynamic no matter what the role is because you have a former GM still lurking in the uh, front office and you don't know if the new general manager would have felt comfortable uh, working, you know, whether Pace is above him or underneath him in the, uh, you know, the demoted title of, you know, director of college scouting or player personnel. You know, more importantly, I don't know if Ryan Pace would have been that desperate to stay in the organization, even if you count the fact that uh, he is a Illinois native and uh, grew, grew up as a Bears fan and went to Eastern Illinois, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So obviously Nagy getting the boot and then Ryan Pace getting the boot. You know, Bears fans like myself. You know, we had a very good uh, start of the morning. Look, you know, I'm I'm not been, I'm not berating. You know, both gentlemen. They're both great men. You know, as a human being and a husband. I think we can kind of uh, see it that way. You know, we're not uh, you know raising up in arms about you know about both men's ability to coach and identify talent. That's where they both failed together in the uh, four years, um, together. Now, 2018, it was successful, but then after that, it went completely, you know, nosedive to a point where last year's press conference about collaboration was a total disaster. And this year, obviously, the, you know, the offense showed no progress for the fourth year in a row, and we didn't win enough ball games, and that's simple as that.
0: I think the double doink. Everyone talks about the double doink uh, a few years ago. And had that not happened, uh, how they could have played the Dallas Cowboys the following week, a very weak Dallas Cowboys team the following week in the playoffs. And who knows what would have happened? I mean, the Bears had the NFC North title. Uh, Things seemed to be going up. Trubisky seemed to be the guy that was going to take the Bears to the promised land. And then it just seemed after that, the double joint just seemed to go all downhill from there. Uh, and then, of course, you had the problems last year. And then, of course, bringing Justin Fields in and thinking, well, Nagy has uh, nurtured quarterbacks. And we and I talked about this uh, during uh, the, the season, uh, Stephen, how that uh, he was going to be able to perhaps nurture Justin Fields. But uh, Justin Fields did a lot of mistakes despite showing a lot of promise. So uh, I think uh, it was time for the Bears to fish and cut bait.
1: Yeah, um, I think what we learned about Matt Nagy, the reason I think he failed are twofolds. Number one, he failed to adapt his system to the personnel that he had. And I think that number two, that stems from him probably being too much of an idealistic guy, you know, not somebody who had a lot of experience and didn't face a lot of adversities. You know, he couldn't adjust to that. Um, and I think that's a life lesson that. I've said this before and I've also called into the Chicago radio station to complain about that about Matt Nagy and that's a life lesson that I think all of us can learn uh, learn from you know we can uh, pray uh, you know praise Matt Nagy the person but Matt Nagy the coach obviously failed in that regard and that's something that I think all of us you me everybody you know as we as we go on in life we have to learn to adapt and adjust to whatever the, uh, you know, the, the environment, uh, throws, throws at
0: us. And we'll have more discussions about what happened today in the NFL, including the surprising firing uh, firing of Brian Flores down in Miami, um, as well. But we'll discuss that in our final segment, uh, coming up because we have a locked and loaded show today, Stephen. Uh, we have a good guest today. Uh, who do we have on the show?
1: Well, uh, Speaking, you know, in, in continuation with the Chicago Spirits, uh, we have Michelle Steele from the ESPN. I think our first ever guest from the uh, ESPN of networks, which I'm very excited about. She's Chicago-based, and she's also a uh, a member of uh, AAJA, which stands for Asian American Journal Association, um, which kind of live up to the spirit of our show. And uh, we wanted to talk to her about her involvement and how has the, uh, her career evolved in the uh, times like this. And then second guest, after a brief break, we have Luke Easterling, who covers the uh, the Buccaneers uh, from Bucs Wire, uh, as well as also Draft Wire, both with the uh, USA Today Network. We could talk about the Tampa Bay Bucs chance of repeating and uh, what happened with the uh, Antonio Brown, who's at fault. And then we could also touch a little basis about the uh his opinion on what the bears should do in the upcoming draft
0: absolutely and continuing in the spirit of this show uh there's one thing we have to mention that happened over the holidays and it happened to a St. Louis anchor of Korean descent, Michelle Lee of KDSK. And she was just mentioning over the, the a throwaway line, as a matter of fact, they were talking about what they were going to do for New Year's. And it was really interesting what happened, Stephen, is that she was just talking that she was just going to be saying, and they were talking about what they're going to do for New Year's. And she just says, I eat dumpling soup, and that's what a lot of Korean people do. And she just threw away line, and no one thought anything of it. And then a viewer called up and left a voicemail I think about a two or f- two or three minute rant, and Michelle put this up on uh, her social media platforms, and they went viral. I happened to see it on Twitter the following day, in which this woman said, "You're very Asian, and if a white person did this, uh, she would uh, that person would be fired, and there would be terrible." So I think what you're just doing is just uh, why did you have to mention that? And and, and it's just really uh, a, a rant that. Really was unnecessary, but I, I'm glad that Michelle put it on her Facebook page and uh, her her Twitter platforms and her TikTok mm-hmm. platforms because it's something like that, Stephen. It's something that the reason why we started this show is to talk about the uh, the hate against Asians and the and, and anti Asian sentiment since what has happened over the since the pandemic began in 2020. Stephen, it, it just angered me, and I know it's it's it angered you
1: yeah it angered me uh tremendously you know if people are pissed off about her being asian i'm asian uh every day because i eat a lot of asian foods i go to you know asian markets almost every week to get stuff and uh you know when i go to the market you know i see you know asians and then i also see you know caucasians and also you know a few african americans also Buying uh, bento lunches and, uh, you know, sushi in a pack, you know, not like the ones that are, you know, kind of being sold at uh, Publix or Kroger, among other things. But, uh, you know, uh, I see a wide variety of people and I don't see the need of, uh, you know, uh, Karens of the world to feel somehow butthurt about something uh, of this nature. You know, you don't tell me, Ken and others or even Michelle Lee in this case what to eat. We eat what we eat, okay? So, you know what? I'll just I'll just save save myself from embarrassment. I'll just say, <laughs> you know what? You
0: know? Well, it was great to see that uh, the hashtag very Asian trending on Twitter immediately yes. after that. Uh, I added the uh, hashtag very, Twitter to, very Asian to my um, <laughs> Twitter profile right after that. But also uh, I mentioned um, th- the fact that... Um, uh, it's just unbelievably what ha- what we saw there. And uh, uh, what was nice to see is that other people, whether they were Asian or Caucasian or Hispanic or or black, were 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 giving some great support to Michelle. And one of my favorites is that they said, hey, this is what I ate on my New Year's or this was my, my traditional uh, uh, meal on New Year's. And uh, I, I even told Michelle a, a, as well and tweeted that, hey, I I've also got uh, I went to my Asian restaurant on New Year's Eve because it's what I like to do. And I got a few things for, for myself as well. This was my meal. So I, I love to see the support. I, it was great to see that support to, to, from all over. And I. Uh, uh, it's something that, um, Stephen, I know that you love uh, your Japanese consent. Gyoza is, uh, is a great uh, meal. I nice. had gyoza last night, as a matter of fact. Uh, I love dumplings. Uh, I love shalom bao. Uh, which is the uh, traditional pork dumplings or chicken dumplings? The very small dumplings that you have uh, that that are steamed. So uh, it's part of our culture, and uh, you know, I'm I'm very proud of of my culture and my heritage, Stephen. I know you are as well. So uh, we're more than more than happy to uh, uh, let people know we're very Asian.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, where I work right now with a Japanese automotive company, um, they serve Japanese food uh, at least once a week. You know. Uh, pork katsu curry, you know, which is obviously Japanese, um, that's actually, you know, eaten by uh, mostly, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Asian uh, employees from Japan. Uh, But there are, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, American uh, employees, you know, eating. And you don't expect that in, uh, you know, places like, you know, in the Midwest where I am right now, that it's, you know, widely accepted by people to eat those things. So, I don't get the whole brouhaha, to be honest, but at least, um, you know, 2022, you know, as uh, Toa just said uh, at the bottom of the screen, you know, it, it's, it's it's stemming from ignorance. And uh, it is a scary thing uh, what uh, ignorant people can do to, uh, you know, just to attack people of co- you know, or people like us. And then, uh, like you said, this is why we started this show to to ample our voices and uh you know let our voices be heard
0: absolutely and uh that's why it's called the double a team it's not just because uh we steven and i feel that we're two double a personalities or type a personalities It's because it's all about uh the asian uh and and uh, our feelings and again trying to uh call out uh bad behavior Towards uh towards the Asian community, the AAPI community. Well, our first guest is going to be coming up. Her name is going to be Michelle Steele of ESPN. She's going to be talking to us about what's been going on with the Bears and all that. That's all coming up next on the double Oh, we have her coming up now. Why don't we
1: have her? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just
0: bring <laughs> <don't> <laughs> in Michelle now? Hello. Uh, Michelle, hi, great to see you.
2: Surprise. Hi. Hey, everybody. Hi, Michelle. Hey guys, thanks so and much Michelle, for having finally, me. Michelle, uh, finally
0: nice to see you. Uh we've followed each other on Twitter for years and uh finally nice to meet you in on the platform.
2: Yeah, it's great to see you guys in person. I mean, as this is as in person as it gets, right? And <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the new in the new era that we're living in. But anyway, you know what? I don't I really don't mind Zooms. I'm so used to them at this point that like mm-hmm. it's it's second nature. So it's really nice seeing you guys.
0: Yeah, Thank that's you. uh it's it's great and uh, you know what it's sometimes if it's a little bit safer and you know what you, you don't have to feel you have to dress up for the part you know you, <laughs> if we have to, if we were probably in a tv studio i'd be in a tie stephen would be in a tie we have to get our makeup on and uh you know instead we can just be relaxed i'm in my kitchen stephen is in his uh, living room i can see you have a very nice setup for your for your office and and, and the zoom so it, uh, this is just as great and relaxed as possible
2: I have to say, though, um, number one, you said that you don't have to get dressed up. That is true to a point. I still do stuff at home, so I do have to get dressed up, at least from the waist up. The rest of it's sweatpants. No, I'm kidding. No, I I actually have made a rule to myself, which is even though I am working from home a lot more than I used to, I don't wear sweatpants. Like. I feel like sweatpants is just giving in, you know? Yeah. So to the extent like I I have done like yoga pants. I've I've gone all the way up to the line, but <laughs> I'm I'm just not gonna cross it. So I do try to dress like as I would, you know, for work, more or less. Right. Um, and I still do hits, um, you know, they have a backdrop for me in my basement, which is kind of fun and sadly I still do have to wear makeup but you know what Ken you can go without you don't even even if we were in a TV studio you wouldn't need makeup I'm just letting you know now. You're, you're
0: too kind you're too kind Michelle um there's a lot of things to cover up on this but uh <laughs> In any event where we, we brought you in, uh, we said, uh, Steven said, why don't we bring Michelle Steele to talk about uh, what's been going on, uh, in the NFL, because we think January 10th is going to be a very big day and it lived up to its billing, especially oh in gosh. Chicago, Michelle, oh uh, base. Um, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace got the, uh, uh got the ax. And, uh, Steven and I were talking about it, uh, off the air. We were talking about it, uh, before we went on today, um, Boy, what, what was the scene like over in Bears camp?
2: I mean, I have to say, I mean, I, I think at this point, you know, Stephen, you mentioned that you're in the Midwest. Ken, are you somewhere around here? Where are you? No, I, I'm in Rhode Island. OK, you're OK. You're, you're nowhere. You're nowhere near the Midwest. But even though you are in you are in a far flung part of the country relative to Chicago, I think if you listen closely enough, you can probably still hear Bears fans you know, boohooing and celebrating and yeah. high fiving, I think, especially after the Ryan Pace news. It was it was interesting because, you know, I had gotten up early today sort of expecting that there would something there would be something coming down the line early. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't disappointed. It came down a little bit later than I thought, you know, right. it was it uh, nine o'clock at uh, past nine o'clock Eastern. Um, but or Rhode Island time, as I like to call it, Ken. Um, <laughs> Thank when, you so much. When I heard and the funny thing and I was listening to ESPN Radio Chicago, of course, and I'm yep. a good company girl. And um, <laughs> the the reaction to, to Matt Nagy being fired, I have to admit, was muted. It, it was something that we had been talking about, you know, for at this point for months, you yes. know, especially since that report came out. Um, before Thanksgiving, that he was going to be fired. I mean, just the the whole way that the season was sort of unfolding. And obviously, his mandate was to fix the offense and develop a quarterback, and he could not do either in four years. So you kind of knew that this was coming down the pipeline. So when it happened, I don't want to say it was anticlimactic, but it was like, oh, okay, we were all expecting this. And then the Vikings news where they were dispatching, you know, Zimmer and Spielman at the same time came down. And so people were like, what is going on with Ryan Pace? And there was this (laughs) almost like, like people were waiting on like tender hooks, you know, just like waiting to find like on, on pins and needles, you know, and like really you could feel like a tension in the air. And then, you know, 10 or 15 minutes later, Schefter broke it. Ryan Pace was gone. And I swear they, (laughs) There there's something in radio called a drop. They used so many like breaking news, this is it, explosion, air horn, like all they used all the drops, I think, after <laughs> you know the Ryan Pace news came down. Because for Bears fans in that moment, you know, George McCasty has talked since then. I think that there has been a little bit of optimism that has escaped from the hope bubble that uh Bears fans were living in this morning. But you know, when the news came down initially, and then plus news, the presser, at least the uh, press release said that it was just going to be George McCaskey talking. So all those put together, right? No Matt Nagy, no Ryan Pace, only George talking at this press conference. People thought, oh my gosh, like, are they doing it? Like, are they doing a real house cleaning, a real, you know, organizational reset? Um, As it turns out, they just led. They just left Ted Phillips' name off the press release. <laughs> I don't know. Like they just forgot to put his name on the press press release, and uh he was there to to take people's questions. But it was funny, you know, on the press conference. It was like thirty minutes before anybody asked Ted anything. People, and I think the first question was like, "What are you doing here?"
1: <laughs> Basically.
2: So yeah, right. long story short, air story. really
1: went out after. Sorry. Oh yeah, uh, it started speaking. It just really just really exposed him as a tone deaf, you know, uh, old, old man yelling at the cloud type. Uh, basically, you know, what started as a nice press conference, you know, with the J G- is uh, the passing of, you know, Jeff Dickerson. Right. And it just completely went into a nosedive after he started uh, attacking, you know, uh, Matt Nagy's, uh, you know, uh, people who booed Matt Nagy's son, which,
2: didn't really need
1: it to be rehashed. And I think some people probably took it in a wrong way where you're using JD's son to attack, you know, somebody who attacked Matt Nagy's son to, to some degree. I'm sure you probably saw that on the Twitter. You know, some people, you know, yeah. saw it that way or maybe this was misrepresented or not. But as somebody who's been in the business for a long, long time, where do you put the uh, George McCaskey's uh, press conference in, in terms of uh, the level of uh, just stupidity and you know sounding so tone deaf about him being a fan and not football evaluator yeah he somehow the new general manager has to report him that's kind of like a a, some on-the-job training for somebody of his age to be quite honest you know
2: yeah yeah you know he's uh he's in his 60s i think he's in his mid-60s now he's the eighth of Virginia's uh, 11 children. So he's still one of the younger kids, actually. But in terms of um, just general age around that franchise, certainly he's been there for a very long time. I do think that this is one of George McCaskey's worst outings as uh, the CEO, or or rather as the chairman of this team. He's not the CEO, that's Ted Phillips. As the chairman of this team. um, And the reason is because at least when he did, gave this pro- press conference last year, when he's been there in the past to introduce a new coach, it was still new, right? I mean, he hasn't been chairman for like 20 years. You know, it's been, I, I have to look it up, but it's certainly less than that. And it's its become Groundhog Day at this point for Chicago uh, to have... A guy get up there and say, we are going to, we are making changes, but I'm still the person ultimately. And he said, quote, I am a fan, not a football evaluator. And yet the GM will be reporting up through me. I mean, that, obvious, that is going to dash people's hopes. You still have the same person at the top. You don't have, and this was brought up last year as well and in years previous, why don't the Bears have somebody with football, with a real football background, a more sophisticated understanding of the game? You know, I I respect McCaskey as a grandson of George Hallis and he grew up around the game, but it's very different to work in football and to professionally have those contacts and know that you don't have to give up draft capital to move up, to get Mitchell Trubisky, a quarterback that you would be fine if you did just stayed in that position. There was no, you know, in, in any other team, you know, the, the uh, example that I gave on Twitter was the Packers, right? You have Mark Murphy as the team president who, who does have a football background, but you still have Brian Kudekunst, who is their general manager who, who makes football decisions. But he's not in an, in a, in a vacuum. With the Bears, what they did is they took a young executive. They expected him to grow into the job, and it was difficult. And it took seven years to get to this point. And he was still making huge mistakes. You know, um, there were still. I mean, you can start from a lot of different positions, but the secondary was a major issue for this Bears team. And that falls on the GM. So, you know, you have nobody who is overseeing the development of these executives. You have no one overseeing or giving feedback to Ryan Pace who knows about football. And that's the, that's still the situation that you have. And and then you mentioned the personal stuff, you know, it was great that he mentioned JD, but I totally agree with you. I thought that it was inappropriate and it was galling that it was, it was a, you know, a written statement that compared the situation of Parker Dickerson with Matt Nagy's kids. And with all due respect, and I feel p- badly for Matt Nagy's kids, and they should, it should be hands off, you know, coaches' kids should be hands off, but it's not a comparable situation to mm-hmm. Parker and JD and the tragedy that that family is going through. Um, the other part, you know, Stephen, I don't know if you guys want to touch on this, was the Olin Cruz thing. I mean, Olin mm-hmm. Krutz, by a lot of estimates, is going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame one day. He is a longtime player, you know, multiple-year team captain, won the Brian Piccolo Award, I think, four times. And the owner calls him a lie, essentially a liar. And uh, Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune has a great story um, that just went live on the Tribune's website where he interviewed Harry Heestand, who is now Notre Dame's O-line coach, uh, and he he totally uh verified the story fifteen dollars was true you know harry couldn't believe it himself but that was the offer and it was it was crazy that they made that offer but what was even crazier was that um george mccaskey like denigrates a player like a beloved player who's still in the chicago market there was long story short it was cringe. it was cringe and you understood as he was talking why they don't put this guy in front of the in the in front of the media more than once a year
0: mm-hmm. yeah and, and, the, and the thing is is that um what, what's interesting uh, uh, and as you mentioned about that michelle is that um uh, not a, a media savvy person and only on the, the the once a year and again you would think that um uh, the Chicago Bears have PR people say, "Hey, look, maybe you want to steer away from this before you go on there." But again, um, he's he's the owners. He he goes back to the days of the of, the, of George Hallis. and uh, you know, it, 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 you see these type of situations with the McCaskey family. All these little mistakes that come about from year to year, but yeah. yet they don't learn from them.
2: Yeah, you know, I I read a stat the other day that only thirty percent of family businesses survive from the first generation to the second generation. And then to the third generation, it's only 13%. You know, McCaskey's extremely lucky. He won the genetic lottery. His grandson was one <laughs> was the one of the founders of the National Football League. And they happened to play in a league where all of the money, all of the, well, at least the TV revenue is, is shared, right? I mean, it yeah. doesn't take a lot of business expertise um, to, I guess, be successful, at, le- at least have a viable business when you're getting so much money from media rights. However, you do see in sort of the personnel decisions that the Bears make over the years, um, he's just, and, and you know credit to Mark Podash from the Chicago Sun-Times for trying to ask George McCaskey, where is the accountability for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. How are you holding yourself to account? Because ultimately you are the guy who has to answer for all of these hires that have not panned out? And George yes. McCaskey's answer to that was just, you know, ownership told me that they are retaining me, and it, I, there are a lot of smirks in the room. <laughs> like you can just say your mom, or yeah. you know, uh-huh. all the other relatives that you have on the board.
1: <laughs> like right. we all know the the story. The board is your mom. You know, the your board mom, is,
2: mom. Is,
1: is, is the same yeah. mom who said she was. He said. My mom was pissed.
2: Yeah, so, it's very I mean, very it's pissed. No very very pissed. <laughs> exactly. Um but it's like wh- you know next year they're going to be talking about how Virginia is 100 years old and is very 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 pissed. You know like i Bears fans just just do not see where this tunnel ends. And right now it's still a dark tunnel. I guess may- maybe it's a little bit less dark because you have Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace gone, but you still have the same people in place, you know, including Ted Phillips who is involved in the, in the GM and coaching search. And by the way, they might hire a head coach and then a GM. I actually think they're going to do that because mm-hmm. George McCaskey himself said, well, if we have somebody in, you know, who we feel strongly about, he has someone in mind. He has someone in mind. He wouldn't bring that up unless he didn't, unless right. he had someone in mind. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, It's challenging for these family businesses, and you see it so much in the NFL. Look at the Giants. Look at the Giants and John Mara and how much that family is respected and, you know, grew that organization to be one of these foundational franchises. And now what? Like, what has this generation done? Yes, they have those Super Bowls. Yes, but, like, that was Tom Coughlin now they need to figure it out. And the fact that Joe Judge doesn't have a job or has a job and Brian Flores doesn't just yeah, kind of breaks the no brain sense. today. Makes yeah. sense.
1: I wanted to ask you about uh, the person who is involved in this search. And then we will go to the uh, your involvement in AAJA before we close out. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you know any, anything about Tanisha Wade who is the uh, new senior VP of diversity who is gonna be involved in this search?
2: No, all I know about her is that she, her bio, basically, that she was the director of events. She's a longtime employee. She, she was the director of, I think, entertainment and events uh, for the Chicago Bears. So she certainly was not in this role. I know from, you know, full disclosure, my sister is uh, a DEI director diversity, equity, and inclusion director for a Fortune 400 company in the Chicago area. So she deals with this stuff at a very high level. And to be director of DEI, it's a serious job. It's essentially a human resources job. So I am kind of curious. I think it's great that she's in the room. And I think it's great that the Bears have newly created this position
1: I know George I has been very, very big on diversity parts. So.
2: Yeah, I think that, I think, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see sort of how much juice she has, you know, in other words, like, can she give the owner real pushback? Right. I mean, she's mm-hmm. a longtime employee um, with, I, I mean, as far as I can see no professional experience in this space at a company worth $3.4 billion. So, I don't. I don't know. I know that it, it. It's a sophisticated area because, as you guys know, like I think everybody sort of understands what diversity is, but inclusion's really hard. Mm. It's really hard to have everyone feel like they belong, and that what makes them unique is accepted by people. You know, um, I remember Matt Nagy saying. Last year during the George Floyd protest, that he did not see color, and to a lot of people of color, that was a little bit of a red flag to hear that, mm-hmm. um, because that's not true. <laughs> you see, you see color. I know that he meant it in a complimentary way, like he doesn't judge anyone, but that's something that I think for Tanisha, you know, she's going to have to reset. I think internally. Culturally, sort of how people talk about uh, how people talk about minorities, and why it's important to see color. Absolutely, to recognize people and recognize their experiences. In other words,
1: that's true. Um, You know, speaking of uh, inclusion, you know, we're going to try to close out the um, uh, our interview. Your involvement with the AAJA—that's good uh, because
2: uh, I'm running out of vodka. <laughs> just kidding, okay, Steve. And,
1: uh, we wanted to just ask kidding. you your involvement with the AAJA and uh, how do you see the industry right now, uh, you know, with the pandemic and the, uh, you know, the racism uh, that uh, our community has been dealt with? And, uh, you know, how do you see, you know, where the industry is uh, kind of heading when it comes to diversity and inclusion that we were just talking about?
2: I think that it's great that it has become such a prominent topic. Um, and that's only good because it can it, it, it should be on people's minds, right? Um, at ESPN, I can tell you that we had a big staff meeting, sort of all hands on deck meeting to talk about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion on all the issues surrounding that. I think that they've made at least from what I can see and listen, like I have no insider insider information, but from what I can see, it's it's uh, certainly a priority at Disney in terms of just the personnel moves that they've made. And it's a stated, you know, it's been part of the mission statement at ESPN. And for, for very good reason, you know, beyond it being the right thing to do, your audience is also becoming more diverse. And if you want to mm-hmm. truly serve your business, you need to serve all aspects of your customer base you need to reflect if you, if you want to grow your business you need to reflect your audience right so so they are making moves in those areas but as i said it's it's really really hard and i think part of it is um you know i'm i'm half filipino half white half caucasian and i think sometimes when white people hear diversity they don't feel like they're part of it and white people are a super part of diversity <laughs> like everyone's <laughs> everyone's involved in diversity right and it can sometimes be a trigger triggering word or people feel like oh we're going to we're going to make a diversity hire which is not <laughs> You know, I just wish that there was another phrase to, uh, there was another way to put that because people right. think like diversity hire and they don't think like, oh, they're not qualified because they're a diversity hire. No, it means that you took stock of everyone yes, and made the right decision, like based on the merits, but you didn't, you know, you didn't limit yourself to people that you're comfortable with, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I do think that it's a good thing that it's being talked about. I do think people underestimate how difficult and challenging it can be, but I think if you, if executives do place it as a priority, people want to meet their goals, right? So if a manager knows that, um, this is an initiative, they're, they're going to pay more attention to it. I do think that the, um, answer for all of us, and sorry to be so rambling here, is just to be curious about other people. That's it. Like, just think about what it's like to live a day in someone else's shoes.
1: Absolutely. And
2: their experience. And your experience is not reflective of what someone else's might be. And so just take five more seconds to think about that before you jump on Twitter with your hot take. (laughs)
0: <laughs> much appreciated, Michelle. Yeah, couldn't say it any better. Um, Michelle Steele of ESPN in the Chicago Bureau covering the Bears. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. We're definitely going to have you back and to discuss more things NFL uh, when we have an opportunity. But thank you so much for joining us.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much, you guys. I really appreciate the invitation. This was fun. Thank you,
1: Thanks, Michelle. We hope to have you back again soon.
2: Okay.
0: And we'll be back with Luke Easterling coming up next on the A team.
2: The past year has seen a 1,900% rise in anti-Asian hate crime in New York City alone, with 2,800 incidents reported across 47 states and Washington, D.C. This is a national crisis, and we need your help to call it out. Call it a crime. Call it what it is. Racism. Let's stand up together against hate. Learn more at StopAAPIHate.org.
0: And we're back on the uh, double A team. I was trying to get a, a, a drink of water before <laughs> uh, the, the uh, commercial break ended, but uh, didn't do that on time. Anyway, Stephen, what
1: do we have uh, for our second guest tonight? Okay, we have uh, Luke Easterling, who covers the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the NFL draft for the Bucks Wire and the Draft Wire, uh, both part of the USA uh, Today Network, I believe. How you doing, Luke?
3: Hey, what's going on, guys?
1: Thank you so much. I know we had a little bit of, uh, you know, we wanted to have you last month, uh, you know, with the holidays and busy and all, right. but, uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming on tonight on uh, such a uh, busy time uh, today.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Really. Uh, it was fun being backstage there and listening to what uh, Michelle had to say as well. That was a fun interview to listen to. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. thank you for your patience. Uh,
0: Luke, Luke, uh, it, the Tampa Bay beat is quite busy these days, uh, ever since uh, t- a, a guy named Tom Brady came in in, in 2020. Um, and it's been busy I, oh, throughout. Uh, you've got uh, what's been going on in go, uh, the March to the playoffs. Of course, what's been going on with Antonio Brown. Um, it's just it, it just doesn't seem to be a dull moment with the uh, with the Bucs these days.
3: No, there doesn't, uh, although I'd prefer much more of the uh, the positive stuff and the Brady stuff than, than what we dealt with last week, obviously. Um, but, you know, it uh, it rains uh, in all different ways, right? So um, it's definitely been an eventful uh, couple of years. Um, it's much more fun to be talking about Super Bowls and, uh, and playoff wins instead of uh, breaking interception records and you know putting up a bunch of really good numbers and still not making the playoffs for some reason and right. you know we had you know you had Shaq Barrett lead the NFL in sacks but it wasn't enough you had Jameis Winston leading the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns but throwing 30 picks and still missing the playoffs so you know it's 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 fun to see the Brady effect but it's also particularly with regards to the Super Bowl it was really fun to see Mike Evans get a ring and Levante David get a ring and those guys right. that had been in Tampa. And put in the work for so many years on really, really bad teams uh, to to be able to see a guy like Tom Brady come in and and just give them that extra push, that extra presence at at, at a very important position, obviously. But you know that's one of the biggest reasons he chose Tampa was he knew this roster was ready made to go win a Super Bowl and just needed a quarterback who could do the good things without all the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's he was right. That's what he did. He turned it around really quickly, and and they went and won a Super Bowl in their first year. So definitely, definitely a fun time. Uh, I'm a uh, I've been a resident of Tampa most of my life, and so big Lightning fan. It's been a nice couple of years to be a Lightning <laughs> fan as well. So oh, uh, yes, oh yeah, the whole Champa Bay thing is definitely uh, well earned. <laughs> it's not just uh, it's not just a name.
0: Absolutely. Mm. of course, the Rays are doing quite well in baseball as well. So uh, can't argue about that. And uh, one of these days we'll talk about the NHL as well, since that's one of my favorite sports too. Let's do it. I love it. uh, But let's talk a little bit about, of course, unfortunately uh, the the elephant in the room for the last couple of weeks, uh, which was of course Antonio Brown. um, His uh, storming off the field against the Jets uh, in week 17, and then his performance on a podcast uh, last week. um, Basically, Torching Tom Brady, who has gone out for him, not only in just Tampa Bay, bringing him in, but also in New England, putting him up at his house. There was a joke that when um, A.B. did his performance that Giselle had already moved the stuff out of his house and had his uh, luggage waiting for him when the Uber (laughs) arrived from New York. But uh, joking all aside, um, it's something that was really sad to see. And uh, we're seriously hoping that Antonio gets the helping ease. But Luke, what was your reaction when you when you saw that in real time?
3: I mean, my real time reaction was kind of disbelief at first. Right. You still weren't sure as it was happening. You're still wondering, like, you know, what's going on. And then as the reports started to to trickle in and and even at this point, we really don't know what happened. We Mm -hmm. have two very, very different stories. uh, And if you weren't there and you weren't in the middle of it, you, you don't really know. So it's from a reporting standpoint, it's just interesting because you have the bucks on one side saying, Hey, it was all about this. And this is what happened. You obviously have a B on the other side saying a completely different thing. So at the end of the day, you know, it's our job to just present that all of that information uh, to the reader and and just say, Hey, this is what happened. This is what we saw. and, And this is what everybody's saying. So, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's a disappointing situation. And it's one that unfortunately when he was first signed, Back in October, again, it was right after an eight-game suspension for for another issue, obviously. So, it, you know, sometimes you you want to be wrong about a situation and you want, you know, as much as you are are nervous and worried that at some point this is going to happen, something like this is going to happen, you know, it, Bruce Arian said it over and over. He's been a model citizen. He's done this. He's done that. And obviously all through the Super Bowl run, everything, everything seemed great. And everything really seemed great all of this year, too, until – whatever happened happened. And again, from a B's perspective, it was about an injury from what Bruce Arians said. It was clearly not had anything to do with the injury and, and was more about him being frustrated with his role in the offense. So, I mean, again, all things considered it's, it's an end to his time in Tampa Bay that was not terribly unexpected at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I just think that because we really hadn't had much happen in between it kind of, I think maybe people forgot that, that, you know, I know I kind of felt that way myself, like, Oh, this, that I shouldn't be in as much disbelief. I guess it's kind of how I felt that it really wasn't as surprising that something something happened. You know, you don't know the details, but for it to kind of end this way, and like you said, that that appearance he made on the podcast, where you know he kind of seemed to me like he went ahead and burned some of those bridges and was very critical of you know Tom Brady and his role in the offense and him picking other players over him. And I mean, again, this is the same quarterback that threw him four shovel passes in a row on the last drive of the regular season last year. Ronald Jones is back there trying to be like, "Hey, I need 21 yards for a thousand yards," and you're throwing shovel passes to this guy in the fourth quarter. Where, where's my, you know, where's my ball? <laughs> uh, so it's not like I, I don't know. There's so many different ways you could go with this, but it's, it's at the end of the day, it's disappointing. It's disappointing for a lot of reasons, football reasons, bigger reasons than that. Uh, and I think that's the best word to to describe it. Do
1: you do you blame Bruce Arians in any of this, or is this basically uh, A, B – created his whole mess. And then he has to, you know, wipe his own, you know, rear end,
3: you know, for the lack of better terms. I, I can't put blame on anybody cause I don't really know what happened. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's, right. that's kind of my, I look at it from that perspective. It's not necessarily my job to, to blame whoever did what, cause I, I won't know the details. I wasn't there. So unless, you know, again, other players want to come forth and, and say whatever they, they saw or fans, you know, have obviously tried to piece together what happened via some video that happened behind the bench, but, at the end of the day there's just not enough there for me to say this is definitely what happened so this is definitely who is at fault we can argue about who could have or should have reacted better to what but again without knowing those details if if antonio brown's story is true he had a damn good reason to be as angry as he did and let's not let's not gloss over the fact that a lot of what he said about the nfl and, you know, shooting players up with painkillers to make sure they can play through injuries that they probably shouldn't and how that relates to, you know, the the opioid crisis in a ma- more macro sense from, you know, humanity's perspective. There's a lot of truth to all of that. So if what he's saying actually transpired, A, wouldn't surprise me at all because the NFL has been doing that crap for years. Mm-hmm. And B, that is something that if you are a human being who is being treated that way, you have every right to walk off the field and, you know, do whatever you need to do to get yourself out of that situation. So, again, the the details and what the truth is have very much to do uh, with how how you could assign blame and place blame and without that information, I I don't feel comfortable doing that either way, really.
0: I guess we're just going to have to wait another episode for Tom Brady's men in the arena to come out and <laughs> explain the whole situation. That um, will
3: be must see TV. That's for sure. if,
0: if that ever comes out. Um Luke uh, Easterly, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the USA Today Wire. Uh, other things going on as well. Of course, this was Black Monday in the uh, NFL. A lot of things going on. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, you have uh, great candidates on the, on the Buccaneers coaching staff to potentially become um, head coaches. This is uh, almost a... A part where the interviewing process has been going on for a lot of new coaches. Do you see some of the uh, Bucks' uh, assistants uh, potentially becoming coaches in this in this uh, round of interviewing?
3: I mean, they absolutely should, and, and honestly, they should have last year. I'm kind of surprised they didn't get enough interest. I know playing in the Super Bowl makes things more difficult because you know teams have to wait longer, and if you wait and the other candidates get snatched up, you kind of have to be careful with that. And I know the, the, there's been some rule changes that have kind of fix that a little bit but I mean it, it wouldn't surprise me at all I think Todd Bowles obviously you know has had coach head coaching experience I definitely don't think he was the problem uh, in New York and I think that's been proven before him and since him um, and I think that obviously his his the respect that his his players on defense have for him down in Tampa Bay speaks volumes about his ability as a leader uh, and I think that's what you know, I mentioned this on social media earlier. Teams need to be more focused on finding leaders to be head coaches instead of just trendy play callers. Right. I mean, you just, right. it's hard to call plays at the next level, obviously, offense and defense. But that doesn't mean you can be a head coach. And I think teams get hung up with, wow, this guy ran a successful offense for this team. He can lead my entire team. It just doesn't work that way. And I think Todd Bowles is, is a fantastic leader in addition to being a really great play caller. And on the other side of that, I think Byron Leftwich has has earned his spot as well, and and Bruce Arians has has lauded him for as long as he's basically he he dragged him into coaching. He he he's told us multiple times uh, back when he was in Pittsburgh when, and he was a, a quarterback there. But you know both of these guys. The the, the best thing I heard this weekend, I, I it was on the the broadcast. Uh, Tony Romo I think was talking about it. But Todd Bowles interviewed for the Jaguars job on Monday, mm-hmm. la, last Monday. And he said that he came back to Tampa and basically prepped Byron Leftwich for his Jaguars interview on Friday. He told him everything. He's like, "Here's what they asked," and prep, you know. So just what great leadership from an old, you know, not much older, but an older, more experienced guy with head coaching experience. He's competing with you for this job, and he's obviously paying it forward and, and preparing you for for your opportunity to do that. Um, obviously, I think Jacksonville will be a great fit. I know a lot of fans there would love to see Byron back in Jacksonville, where he was drafted right. as a first round pick. Uh, back in the early two thousands, I think that'd be really fun. But either one of those guys would be great. And to be honest, Harold Goodwin, who is the Bucks assistant head coach, um, who is Bruce Arian's offensive coordinator for four years in Arizona, he doesn't get enough play in my opinion either. I, I think that, you know, there's a reason that Bulls and which are hot names and and they're worthy of that. But Harold Goodwin is, again, a fantastic leader. He's the run game coordinator here. But again, as the assistant head coach has handled a lot of those duties. Bruce Arians spent all week leading up to the Jets game on the COVID list, he was out. So Harold Goodwin was handling all of those duties during the week and, and proved to do it well. I, I think the Bucks have three head coaching candidates among the coordinators, to be honest.
1: So I believe Harold Goodwin has had some uh, ties as a tight ends coach with the Bears in the past. So that's one name that uh, obviously, you know, Luke, what happened with the Bears today uh, with the terrible – Uh, press conference by George McCaskey all the side who fits the, uh, the bears uh, better uh, bowls or left.
3: You know, I I think it comes down to identity. I think it comes down to what do you want your team to be known for? And how do you want that, that to kind of permeate your culture, right? If you want to be a team that is built around, if your primary objective is, is Justin Fields, right? Hey, we, we traded up for Justin Fields. We want to develop him. Why not bring in uh, a young, hot name offensive coordinator, a guy that's worked with Tom Brady now for a couple of years and been able to pick his brain? You know, Tom has been clear that he's learned plenty from Byron Leftwich as well. It's not a situation where you know Tom's calling all the shots, right? So all of that experience that Byron Leftwich has with Jameis Winston and now with Tom Brady over the last two years, he gets to take that to a place like Jacksonville or you know with Trevor Lawrence or to a place like Chicago where you're trying to develop Justin Fields. And he gets to to take that, uh, to take that that baton forward and lead that. I think that's a fantastic fit. Now, if you want to be known for your defense, if you want to make a statement that hey, we're gonna be we're gonna be known for how we play defense, and maybe we'll look to the coordinator hire to make sure that we can get somebody who can work with 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 Justin Fields and develop him, which again is a is a valid way to go as well. Then you go after Todd Bowles, and again, if you also value previous head coaching experience over a guy in Byron Leftwich who is younger and doesn't have that on his resume, then maybe you opt for Todd Bowles. So it really just comes down to, to, to what the Bears want to be, who they want to be, and who they want to lead them moving forward.
1: Okay, so two more questions about coaching before we talk about the uh, the Bucks playoff. One, uh, let's see. Would any of uh, would either one of them consider it as a hair apparent to uh, Bruce Arians? And number two, Okay, you know what? Let's let's get to that one first. My apologies. With any no, of
3: them? No, yeah, and I think I think they both could, uh, and I think that the Bucks really lucked out with the way things worked out last year, where they didn't lose either of them, because I think they easily could have and probably should have. Uh, and I feel that way about the front office as well. Another thing I shared on social media earlier that really pissed off a bunch of Bucks fans was tell, telling telling the world basically like, listen, the Bucks front office is loaded with GM candidates. You know, John Spytek. Mike Greenberg, their salary cap guru, Jacqueline Davidson, who was brought in and, and has really handled a lot of the analytics and, and how they structure contracts. All three of them should be getting GM interviews and all the Bucks fans are like, shh, don't say anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> leave our leave our front office intact. But I mean, again, Tom Brady came to this team because they had built a Super Bowl roster and those are the people responsible. Jason Light, the general manager, has built an incredible team. Um, but they have developed coaches in the same way. And, and I absolutely think that Bruce Arians would love to hand that baton off to either one of them. I think he, he doubts that will happen because he know and he's been very vocal about the fact that he wants those guys to move out. He wants them to go get head coaching jobs elsewhere and, and all those things. But I think he would absolutely uh, love being able to hand that off to the, to the next guy and, and to someone he trusts. And I think the ownership would be in favor of that.
1: Okay. One more question. i um, sorry. I suddenly something came back. Is uh, Byron Lefwich, uh being a question of having Tom Brady, be, you know, the beneficiary of Tom Brady, I should say? Is that a fair question or is that an unfair question?
3: Oh, no, I think it's fair. And I think he would probably say the same thing. Um, but again, if you talk to Tom about it, Tom will make it clear that that, that relationship has helped make Tom Brady a better quarterback also. Because – Byron Leftwich is a guy who, again, you can look at the stats and say he wasn't as successful as a, as a player, but that experience and understanding that from a, a quarterback's perspective, being a first round pick, being a college football star at Marshall, and and seeing everything from a player's perspective, and and maybe even being a younger guy who has played with some of these guys, you know, he and he and Brady played a lot of their career to get together at the same time, so it, it's it's not a an unfair question to wonder if he's just riding coattails. But I think if you talk to anybody in that building, they they would squash that real quickly.
0: And uh, one last question for you, Luke. Um, Philadelphia is coming into the uh, uh, Big Sombrero, the Big Sombrero two this this uh, this weekend. Um, how do you see that game, and how do you see the uh, the Bucks uh, going on further and uh, into the into the playoffs?
3: Yeah, obviously Sunday was a, a fun one for the Bucks and the fans. Right, you you get the big win sloppy start but yep. you know it's nice to play the panthers when you can play like garbage for basically an entire half mm-hmm. and just kind of wake up and still score 41 points and and win by a lot that's that's nice it won't won't be like that in the, um but if you go back to october when when these two teams played in philly on a thursday night the bucks got out to a big lead and they let the eagles hang around you know they they ended up winning that game by one score really should have been out of hand they should have blown them out but that was kind of where they started to fall apart in terms of their run defense, right? This first seven weeks of the season, they were the top ranked run defense in the league, which has been the case for basically two years in a row. Now they teams have basically abandoned the run against them. They don't even try. I think the Buffalo game, they didn't even give the ball to a running back in the first half. The only carry was a fake punt. I think and, and,
0: and Jake Allen ran for a, yeah, for a long run, yeah.
3: wisely so. That de- that run defense has been great, but that game against Philly, they gave up 100 yards. The first time they had given up 100 yards on the ground in a while. Jalen Hurts ran well, Miles Sanders ran well, and the Bucks have been 15th in the NFL in rushing since then. So, you know, we talked to Bruce Arians just today, and and uh, Greg Allman from the Athletic asked him point blank, you know, why why the difference? What's happening? And and he basically said they're just not tackling well. And it's fundamentals. I point to the fact that Levante David is not there right now. and hasn't been for a couple of games. Um, Probably the most underrated player in the league. Obviously I'm a little biased, but um, you know, they don't, they don't have JPP right now. Shaq Barrett's been out the last two games as well. Uh, But you gotta, you gotta play fundamental football. You gotta be able to tackle well. And if you don't do that, there's nobody sucks in the NFL. Everybody's good enough to make plays if you don't handle your business. Um, So in terms of this matchup, I mean, the Bucs lost to Washington this year. So yeah. you know, they got shut out by the Saints who missed the playoffs. So that if you don't bring your A game, there, every team in the NFL will punch you in the mouth. Ask mm-hmm. the Arizona Cardinals who got beat by the Lions. I, I mean, every week there's an example. Ask the Colts after the Jaguars game on Sunday. If you don't come to play, it doesn't matter if you're home or away, you, you can get embarrassed. I think right. one of the biggest things for the Bucs is Arians told us today that Leonard Fournette should be back this week. Jack Barrett, JPP should be back as well. Levante is the only one that's kind of in question in terms of the guys that have been out for a little while. Um, so those, the return of those guys would be huge. But this is going to come down to stopping the run. If the Bucs can't stop the run, this is going to be a really dicey game for them. I think they can obviously score points with anybody. But that that Philly defense is, is really good. They can get pressure consistently with their front four, which is huge. If you can just drop seven and and get after Tom Brady and pressure him with, with while having that many guys in coverage, it's going to create some problems, especially with Chris Godwin not in the lineup. Now Antonio Brown is gone. Obviously, it's nice when you lose those two guys to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I got one Hall of Famer in Gronk. I got another one in, in Mike Evans. I, I should be fine. Um, the offensive line, obviously, three pro bowlers, one of the best offensive lines in the league. But you, the Bucks are going to have to stop the run and force the Eagles into third and long, force Jalen Hurts to stay in the pocket and make plays as a patcher, which he can do. But if they play press man across the board and keep them in third and longs, disrupt the timing of those receivers so that that pass rush can get home, so that if you have Shaq Barrett and JPP back, Vita Vea, who just got a well-earned massive contract extension, you know those guys are going to get home if you're disrupting the timing of those routes. Don't give away those those easy routes. Don't play 8 to 10 yards off the ball and and give Jalen Hurts those layups and keep moving the chains. If they're able to do that, the Bucs can blow them out. Mm -hmm. um but again they've they've played down to their competition way too often this season so they're gonna they're gonna have to to be to be uh ready to ready to ready to play i i look back at obviously these two teams are very different than they they were when i was in high school right but the 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 yearly date that the that the Bucks and the Eagles felt like they had every uh, every January to play in the playoffs. The Eagles kept getting them over and over and over again. Obviously, the Bucks had the the magical run in two thousand two and the and the dominant win they had in Philly uh, in two thousand two. But these teams have played some great playoff games, and and I think we're in store for another one this week.
0: It's going to be fun. Luke Easterling uh, covering the Bucks for USA Today. We appreciate it. And uh, we're definitely going to have you on back uh, uh, again on the Double A team. We appreciate it. Thank you very much.
3: Hey, it's my thank pleasure, guys. Thanks for having
0: me. Take thank care. You so much. And we Double A con- uh, team will continue and we'll wrap it up after this. I listened on talk radio today and people, well, they got to
4: bring in a football czar over the general manager. Well, then the general manager isn't the general manager. <laughs> exactly. Okay, then your football's ours, the GM, and now you're paying two people to do the exact same thing. Hey, when I worked there, Jerry was the general manager. Mm-hmm. I ran the college scouting. Bobby DePaul ran the pro scouting. We didn't have a director of player personnel. Mm-hmm. We kept it simple. And the pro scouts didn't get involved in college. I did get involved in some pro, and it's only if, if, you know, they want another opinion on a guy we may sign as it, it, free agency and I'd watch tape and, and it was only if it was asked to me. You know, have, have that football czar. That is not gonna do a damn thing on the playing field. It's gonna cost you another few million dollars a year. hmm And it might make talk radio feel a little better. Oh, they got a football czar. It doesn't mean shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. get the right guy, to hold the GM job.
0: You know, if you had Greg Gabriel on every day, I think you just have a whole line of great stuff. We just saw that break with Greg Gabriel with Aldo <laughs> there uh, talking about stuff. I, I could I could listen to him every day.
1: <laughs> yeah, Greg is obviously uh, somebody who's been in the NFL for a long, long time, uh, having worked in the uh, um, Chicago front office, so he knows ins and outs of uh, uh, the inner works of the hall. So if you have missed it because you were busy listening to – george's uh, george house's uh, press conference and being chafed and angry about it go to go watch uh, greg gabriel's conversation with uh, aldo and uh, see what he has to say about today's press conference and uh, the firing
0: absolutely uh we have our final segment here um we talked earlier about this being black monday in the nfl uh we touched on it briefly brian flores was a surprise firing today uh at the miami dolphins now i heard uh he should get another job. The guy uh, did a fantastic job with the, with the dolphins. I know is uh he, he was a 24 and 25 record over the last three years, but mm-hmm. um, he managed to get his dolphins to play for him. Um, he had an issue with the general manager. So that's, I think why Steven Ross decided to fire him for the Miami dolphins. You're the owner. You can basically do what you want. Also, New York giants uh, allowed uh, general manager, Dave Gettleman to quote unquote, retire today. Uh, he's mm-hmm. in his seventies. Um, the, the New York Giants, believe it or not, are seemingly more of a joke than the New York Jets. And that that takes a lot of things to do in the New York market. But the Giants with Joe Judge, uh, I thought Joe Judge would be gone today, but apparently he's mm-hmm. going to be staying too. Uh, Stephen, reaction quickly to both of those?
1: Well, I tweeted out about Flores being fired because I thought uh, Stephen Ross, who's a Michigan alum and a big donor, uh, his, the uh, business school is actually named after him, Ross School of Business was definitely going to go after Haba but apparently it was not. Um I think Jeff Darlington of ESPN who lives in Miami said that the firing of Flores has nothing to do with uh, you know going after Haba. In fact actually Stephen Ross was quoted as saying he wants to see Haba stay there. Yeah. And I think uh there was a a, tweet a bit before our show that uh, NBC Chicago Sports or something I believe was tweeting Paba is working on a a contract extension with Michigan. So it's basically just a a contract plot ploy uh, him and his agent to, uh, you know, get a bigger deal out of Michigan after having to take a pay cut last year. And then, you know, Flores, um, you know, I think he's kind of like a Smith 2.0, which I I don't think a lot of Bears fans uh, might not want to hear. You know, the way he handled the QB situation, you know, he handled Tua Biola, really scares me, you know, if even with the Justin Fields, obviously. uh, He should get interviewed, and I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears interview him, but he would certainly not be at the top of my list, in my opinion. Now, as far as Joe Judge is concerned, um, the last couple of weeks, he's really, really been, you know, the target of media, New York media for things that he has said and done, obviously. Um, Dave Gettleman obviously has had some uh, health issues. So maybe this was a good time for him to bail out and, you know, bow out on his own terms uh, without being fired and embarrassed at a a ripe age of uh, close to being 70 years old with health problems, like I said. So it'd be interesting. I don't know if any general manager wants to work with a a lame duck coach that, you know, you can't pick your own head coach and then you're, you're, excuse me on an arranged marriage we you know the Bears fans saw that with uh, Jerry Angelo and Dick Geron um, Phil Emery and Bobby Smith for one year before they were both fired the next year it really doesn't work and it really doesn't uh, produce you know significant results and um, you know uh, McCaskey's and the Mara's are basically two peas in a pod and uh, you know two big NFL markets and you know the owner's really give us fans uh, a lot of angst and uh, anxiety uh, for the next couple of weeks, obviously. And, uh, you know, watching uh, George's press conference was a, just a, a PR disaster one-on-one for many, many people. You know, Michelle said it best, you know, you don't bring JD's son and then having to bring Matt Nagy's son into the same equation. It was very, very awkward, like she said. And and obviously whoever the PR staff at the, uh, the Bears, uh, I don't know if – any of them gave any finer points or practice with him, uh, you know, whether they did it or not, it doesn't matter because I think somebody in the PR department has to be fired for this uh, uh, shit show that we saw today. And uh, just really gives us more anger and angst, uh, you know, you know, even with the Bill Polian leading the search and uh, all we have to do is hope and wait that, um, you know, Bill Polian can somehow muscle, his experience, and then force George into, you know, accepting uh, the right candidates. It's going to be an interesting few weeks. Uh, and
0: also uh, we'll see if maybe uh, the candidates, like, as you mentioned, uh, maybe Brian Flores, uh, Brian, uh, Byron Lefwich, um, uh also Todd bowls, maybe even Doug Peterson, who's been sitting out for a couple of years, who's uh, a guy who's done great work with quarterbacks. And uh, we saw what uh, uh what he did with Carson Wentz and uh, uh, and of course, without Carson, without him, we saw what Carson Wentz did with the other day with the Jags. So it, it's all
2: <laughs> I never
0: a dull moment in the NFL. Uh, Stephen. Mm-hmm. we're going to wrap up the show. We like to uh, thank our guests, Michelle Steele of ESPN and Luke Easterling of the USA Today wire, uh, covering the uh, Tampa Bay bucks. Um, Steven, it's been a great show. We appreciate our guests and appreciate your work in getting all the guests. And, uh, uh a great first show of 2022 i can't wait to see what the year brings for us
1: absolutely and uh you know this year we're going to definitely try and diverse our guest list um you know always uh asian americans who work in the industry which unfortunately there aren't a lot will always be our first target but you know we want to bring in you know people like luke who uh obviously we wanted to talk about the uh the Bears' coaching candidates uh you know the Bucks happen to have a, you know, a plethora of candidates and uh, we hope to uh, bring more diversity, you know, focus on other sports. And uh, we're going to do our best to put on a, a fantastic show in 2022, guys.
0: Absolutely. Thanks very much. And uh, that's it for the double A team. And we'll be seeing you again in a couple of weeks
4: we